Today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Legend Rings. Want to give your student-athletes something that'll create excitement and loyalty in your program? Go to LegendRings.com and see how colleges all over the country are doing it right now. Plus, stay tuned later in the show for a special offer just for you, Coach. And now, it's time for the show. That's right. It's time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, 1988 semi-pro juggler of the year and America's recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Yeah, Coach, welcome to the show. This is Dan. Great to have you aboard. And I think we're going to be covering something today that is always timely. It seems like it's an ongoing question. So anytime we get a chance to reapproach it and uh, maybe address it from another direction, we want to do that. And that's what today's episode is all about. It's about timelines and how you use them. And especially if you're a coach who is looking back at a previous class and saying, ah, didn't quite get who I wanted in that class. How do I change it? Well, sometimes, as we've been discussing over the last several years, especially, it really comes down to how you formulate and establish and manage the timelines that you set for your recruits. So just to set up this show and this conversation, we actually had a conversation, a great one, with a coach last spring, in the spring of 2021, and waited until now to produce it and to release it, um, really for a couple of reasons. At this, In the springtime, at the end of a recruiting cycle, there are so many things going through your mind, and, and there's a lot of stuff that coaches, I think, get distracted with as they end the year, and I didn't want this to be a distraction point when you were listening to this show. Um, so, you know, here we are in the fall of 2021, and I'm not going to make the case that it's any less distracting now, but I think it provides some interesting uh, perspective because as you hear this coach talk, they were ending up a recruiting cycle getting ready for another one. I want you to be thinking about not only your last class that you recruited, but also the one that now you have started recruiting. Is it going the way that you want? Are you getting contacts and conversations going with kids that you really are interested in? That would be program-changing kids or at least establish the right trend line for the program with the prospects that you're hearing from. If not, some of the conversation that we have with this coach at the end of one cycle is going to immediately be relevant to you in the middle of or at the beginning of this recruiting cycle. So um, that's why I wanted to, uh, to, to delay it until now to have this conversation with you at the more of a, the start of a new recruiting cycle. Because this is the time when if you're going to make, make a change and affect things in a good way for this class that you've started with, this new class, um, I want you to sort of assess it in real time. And that's what we're going to do in this session. We're going to talk about real-life things that we see work with the clients that we work with all over the country and see if there might be some things that this coach talks about that sound familiar to your program, regardless of the sport you coach or division level or anything like that. Because some of the things that, that he talks about we hear all the time from coaches, and that's what we're in the business of helping them do, but if we can provide some of that guidance here on the podcast, we always want to take the opportunity to do it. And this coach was kind enough to kind of open up and share uh, where he was coming from in in this episode. So again, we're talking about timelines. We're talking about making sure you are getting the right kids that you want in your program. And all of that is is really the topic 
of, uh, of this conversation. So um, without any further delay, let's get into the conversation. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of my comments. Actually, I was listening back to it, probably too much of me and not enough of the coach, so I apologize for that. But he was there to get help, and so I wanted to give him the help, and, and hopefully you get something out of that that can make a change and help you identify, more importantly, what changes maybe need to be made moving forward so that this class that you're in the middle of recruiting, Coach, that it will end up being your best class, one of the best classes ever, simply by making some structural changes in the way that you approach and outline your program and how you manage the timeline. So uh, as we get started, we we have this coach kick it off asking the question that he came to us with about all of that, and I think you're going to like it. Here it is. You know, I, I, I'm at the end of our recruiting cycle for the class of 2021, and I find myself in a place where I don't like to be. Um, I have recruits coming in. Um, however, the depth of that class of this class is not what I hoped for. Um, I feel as, uh, being in quarantine last spring, it allowed me to actually become more organized, more prepared, uh, develop a more strategic and planned set of communications with the class of 2021. And overall, I felt that that communication was great. Um, However, I, as I said, I find myself here at the end of the class thinking what happened, you know, what fell out. And there are, you know, like any coach could say, you, you, you want to blame it on cost or, or, or some other external factor. But I truly want to dive in and dig in and see what I can do to change and make this process better. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's kind of the starting point, I think. Okay. So, I mean, obviously through what 2020 has been for every coach, whether it's a small school, big school, and sort of uh, irrespective of the sport that you coach, uh, it has changed the way decisions get made a lot of, uh, a lot of the time. So I, I wouldn't be, first of all, too hard on yourself. I think you're smart for going through the process of, of analyzing it and kind of dissecting where could you have gone done, done better. And that's what I want to try to dig into um, okay. is is that process and try to to look and see where things possibly went wrong and or where even if it didn't go wrong where it could have been done better to drive the decision. So a couple of questions that we typically ask if we're working, let's say, with a client and we're trying to figure out you know the starting point or what's what's not working for them or what is working for them. At what point did you see the process sort of start breaking down or you're moving forward. You're thinking you're you're more organized this year. Uh, you get you're starting to go through the process. When did you start seeing it kind of falter in terms of decisions coming back that were negative to your school and your program? Uh, at what point was that? Yeah, great question. So um, I first got a couple of no's or that uh, kids were going elsewhere elsewhere mm -hmm. um towards the end slash end of the cross country season so late november early december i would say some of the higher caliber uh recruits that i was working with um a handful of them let me know but i it wasn't something that worried me um okay. because it was it was those students that were kind of borderline are they going to go division one are they going to go division right. three and so those were the ones that chose to go a higher level um, I would say that the point where I quote unquote got worried was probably early March. Uh, there was about a two week period where I lost 
a, a large bulk of my students where they actually let me know. Um, and that's one thing I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this year. I had more kids actually tell me what they were doing as opposed to some kids that just ghost you and don't give Fade you an away. indication. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to understand what that means in itself as well. So, right. Um, and was it a higher number than usual uh, compared to past seasons that, that were lost? In, in one time span, definitely. Okay. Um, I, I would say over the course of a year, probably not, but all at one chunk. Like in that two weeks t- time span, Dan, I, I think I lost about 20 recruits. Right. So it was, a, it was a big drop off. Right. Well, so, so the first thing I would say is that and the reason I ask that question is because sometimes, you know, we're, we're human in the way that we go through getting bad news or decisions that, that come in. You space those 20 over a 12-month period, over a 16-month period, it doesn't seem as bad right. as 20 within a condensed amount of time. And it, it's the same that, you know, a, um, you know uh, a sports team, pro sports team that goes on a, uh, a, a 10 or a 12-game losing streak. Well, it's all, and they may have the same basic record that they did this previous season at the end, but the fact that they were going through that 12-game losing streak makes it more intense or, hey, what's going wrong? What do we need to fix? Uh, and when it just might just be part of uh, part of the problem, uh, just that it's a normal, a normal factor uh, in, in how the season turns out. But that being said, when you got the nose, and let's just focus on that one span where everything was coming in, what did you hear is the reason that was most common from the prospect as to why they weren't going to come and compete for you, for you? Definitely. And, and that's a question I always ask. Uh, I always ask the perspectives. I say, you know, what's your reason uh, for choosing another school? Right. And I heard the, the most common answer. I, I said I got two probably. Um, one was location. Um, that was not the, the biggest one. The biggest one was actually cost and, and that we were uh, quite a ways off um, upwards of they were they were citing upwards of ten thousand dollars in most cases away from other institution that they picked. Um, so, but location and cost location being proximity to home um, and our location as and then, like I said, the biggest one that I heard was cost. Right. Well, so for non-full scholarship student athletes if we look at you know what are the the common things that you would immediately say no to it is it's it's cost so that problem and you've experienced it i'm sure over the years before uh is something you're going to hear and hear regularly uh, when you when we zero in on that as far as as cost goes um you have a ten thousand dollar gap that might just be unaffordable to that family. And I'll talk to maybe what to do in that instance um, uh, in a second. But the other thing, let's say there's smaller amounts. It's just that the other school was uh, two or $3,000 less. And I just was going to take that. Or, um, you know, it was the same, but here's what I liked about the other school. So if there's not a, uh, a significant cost difference, I think there's a way to approach it. Let me talk about the, the first part where there's a huge spread and you, you may know that going in, you may just know who you're going to compete against or who else they're looking at. And that, that creeping thought comes into the back of your mind of, oh no, we're going to be, it's going to be tough to beat them because they have really good packages or they just start off with a lower tuition rate uh, at the start. What, 
what I think you have some choices to do there is, is what we've seen other coaches do. And in some cases, we've helped other coaches do this. First, as you're looking at a recruit, one of the things that a lot of smaller school, non-full scholarship sport coaches mm-hmm. look at is the, the question right at the start, are they going to be able to afford what we know in general they're going to have to pay? And most coaches don't want to look, don't really want to approach that because number one, it takes the fun out of coaching and recruiting because you have to um, take away the dream and the the possibility and get right down to the the nuts and bolts of what would be a you know part of the logical decision to uh, to either come or don't come to your school. Um, I think it's critical because for a program that is needing a certain amount of kids and especially a larger roster size, like a track and field program, swimming, sometimes it's soccer, certainly football. Those, those are sports that uh, because the numbers are so uh, sort of well number driven, I think it's important that you're only recruiting the kids that are going to have a chance or be a little more likely to say yes. So, how do you do that? Well, you can certainly talk to them at the start about um, what their what they're thinking would be sort of their budget for college. Uh, talking with the parents is always good to talk about what have they set aside or what as a family do you feel like you know is going to be the the make or break point. Um, which interestingly, then the prospects and the parents think, well, you're just asking me that because you were going to get me to pay the most and. Um, and that's really not what you're doing, but what we're trying to figure out is, are you in the in the game or not? And we work with a lot of programs where you know the tuition at the starting point is sixty, seventy thousand dollars. Right. So, um, you know, it's it just becomes part of that conversation that it's numbers sometimes are so big or they're so important, or in your case where you're just seeing that be the common objection that you have to bring it up uh, sooner rather than later. The way that you might do that is to sort of soften it for the parents or the prospect. And again, I would really focus on this with the parents because I think they're behind uh, a lot of um, just uh, a lot of the decision making when it comes to money. Is hey, we have a lot of kids that want to come here and compete for us. They love the school. They really buy into what we're doing at the pro- as the program uh, as a program. But at the end of the day. Um, they're, they, they feel like they can't afford it. So I'm just, I wanted to ask you, what is the type of range that you think your family is looking at? By the way, I, as the coach, am going to, you know, I'll, I'll fight and help you look for every possible, um, every possible, uh, cost saving scholarship or grant or aid that we can give you. Cause it doesn't come out of my fund or our pocket. It comes out of the school and I want you to get as yep. much as you can. Um, so I think that, that goes to part of that initial conversation. Number one, number two, what we have a lot of coaches now doing is, and some coaches are comfortable with this, others aren't, but when they get that, that, that student and get information on them, they'll look up on Zillow, the value of their house, what kind of neighborhood they're from. Not to say that that's going to be the determining factor, but if you look up the house value and for a private school, Division three school, you know, where it's, there's no full ride athletic scholarship, you see that wow, okay, the house they're living in is worth seven hundred thousand, and uh, the neighborhood gets really high ratings for their their schools. And um, you know, I can do research and say, okay, dad's owned his own business for 
for 15 years and okay, there's enough working there that might be in your favor to say that's going to be a good candidate. Not athletically, we've checked the box and also from a from a background affordability or what maybe they would want to invest in school, it, uh, it, it works the same way. You can also go to the other side of the scale where you recruit an economically disadvantaged family that is going to uh, do well to, you know, to get a lot of the grants and aid and scholarship. Um, so that might work well. And like many things, and, and like many things in our society, then it's the people in the middle that sort of are the tough ones because they make just enough where it, takes them out of qualifying for a lot of the grants and scholarship and aid. Uh, and yet it's, they're not making enough maybe in their mind to afford a private college education uh, or a, just something where they're going to have to pay, even if it's at a public school. So sure. from a cost standpoint, I think it needs to become part of that beginning conversation just because then what you do is you eliminate a lot of people at the start that would have said no eventually anyway Right, And you know, in your case, by event group or in other coaches might be by position, where do I need to fill in and fill in the gap and, um, and get more kids into the flow? Because I had to take a bunch out because we knew that economically it just wasn't going to, to be a fit. The last thing I'll say, coach, is that when other coaches have done this, what they do is year to year to year, they go back and can compare Things like you know some quantifiable data like house value, region of the country, and say, here's our sweet spot. Here's the kind of kids that almost always want to come to the school and that we get, and here's the mm -hmm. ones we almost always lose. And you're then introducing a little bit of analytics into it that, again, take away from the athletic performance part, but enter in some real-life things that end up becoming decision-making factors. So. I, sure. I laid all that out and rambled quite a bit. What follow-up questions does that kind of generate for you? No, that, that makes sense to me. Uh, I guess the question out of that, what I have is, you know, thinking about, you know, I, 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 I've heard you talk several times, podcasts and all those sort of things. And I know you talk about telling the story of your program, of your school, um, and helping people fit that, find that mold. I, I would say that typical story of our school is, kind of the blue collar, um, type people. Um, I wouldn't say our school has changed, but I would say that there is our factors that are changing where that, like you said, kind of the middle America kind of struggles with stuff sometimes. So right. any, any thought on what to do or handle that group, that's typically been the bread and butter of our school. Well, I mean, if if typically they have, but now the school has sort of changed their parameters for the type of student athlete that they are, that they're going after or want the coaches to go after. Um, obviously, you have to you have to uh, adapt to that. Um, so there's not really. I mean, I think when it gets down to that specific kind of a question, it's going to be prospect by prospect and really just finding out what's important to them. Um, when it were since we're talking about money, let me go back and also answer the second part of your previous question because I, I skipped past that, which is when you're the same cost or just a little bit more expensive, but they still go to the other program. Um, I think that is something that is probably it, it, what it's an indicator of is that we didn't connect with the story of the school, why they should go and compete for you, um, and they've decided now to go somewhere else. We know that um, through the research and through what the student athletes have told us, they're always through the recruiting process trying to figure out and answer two questions, which are, why should I come 
compete for you, number one. And number two, how are you better than my other choices? Mm -hmm. So those two things are sort of critical throughout the process, not just at the beginning, but throughout they're trying to answer that. And what you have to ask, what anybody, any coach listening to this has to ask is when I'm sending something out, when I am putting a message out by email, letter, on social media for recruits, how am I answering at least one of those two questions? Because mm-hmm. if there's nothing there, then what we're doing is we're just sending out something and it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really give them any kind of movement uh, towards you or away from you. It, it, it's just, it takes up space. It's, it, there's, there's no purpose to it in their mind. So they're very purpose driven when it comes to getting something out of the communication. That's what we know that they want. Um, and again, as I rattle these off, it doesn't mean that you didn't do this, but you, you have to sort of check that as every coach would. Okay, have I done that right. in, in the messaging? The other thing that I would say is in setting up the timelines, the deadlines, which we've talked about a lot um, in podcasts and in what we've written, that becomes so critical uh, as a management tool for the whole process. So a lot of a lot of coaches, especially let's say Division three, smaller college coaches, are going to say, "Well, I can't," uh, or even coaches that only offer partial scholarships in Division one and Division two, I can't ask them to commit or I can't push the timeline uh, too much because they don't, they don't have all their information. They don't have their FAFSA is not done. They are, our people on our campus haven't gotten back to them with what their final package is. And what I see coaches doing is using that as a crutch to say, well, then that, that takes me out of it. And I can't, uh, I, I just can't push them. So I have to wait. It's not my fault. I just have to wait. Sure. On the other side of it, the student athlete wants to make a decision Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in your sport, good competitive, uh, you know, runners, jumpers, throwers, uh, sprinters, hurdlers, and and so on, uh, the better ones want to get this done. They, a lot of them don't want to wait until after their senior year uh, state meet to make a decision in track and field, Mm -hmm. just like in volleyball or softball or basketball. They don't want to wait until their senior season is over. A lot of these kids, what we find is the the trend, especially now coming out of 2020, is they want this decision done sooner they want to know where they're going and have a good idea that this is over and I'm wanted and I'm secure going into my senior year. I don't want to, you've probably heard kids say, I just don't want to stress my senior year. Right. I just want to know where I'm going to go. Well, there's a lot of psychology behind that that we found, which, which then sort of puts some, some onus on a coach to speed that process up a little bit. Yep. Because especially for a smaller school coach, I want you to sound and look and feel like a large uh, a BCS caliber program in the way that you take them through the recruiting process. So what we're going to see in that case is, you know, some probably very firm ideas of when they need to make a decision. Um, we're going to drive the process as the coach and the, and the athlete is going to get that feeling and feel like, okay, they're, well, I'm a little bit stressed even, but I, they're leading me, they're pushing me. I got to do this. I got to, there's some urgency to it. Again, what we see sometimes on the smaller school side, which is unnecessary, is coaches saying, look, we know you got all these other options, plus we can't get your decision, so just take your time, we'll be here. And most coaches are doing that because they're professional, they don't want to pressure the athlete. What the athlete hears, though, is, oh, okay, so you're not as good of a program, you're not as good of an athletic uh, option for me as the D1s are. 
because they're pushing me and they're saying things have to happen. And you're saying, I don't need to do those things. Mm-hmm. And again, as adults who get pressured all the time, we're going to say, we're being the nice guys. We're being the <laughs> ones that are giving you space and letting you make this decision sooner. And it would all work out. I mean, great if it, um, if they sort of followed along, but what we find is that they don't. And that's where, again, I want you, if there, to the, if there's any part of what happened in this past recruiting year that didn't include a very defined timeline and a, a drop dead look by at, at the latest, here's when we need your final decision, <clears throat> then I think you should include that for, uh, for next year. And uh, yeah, and that, if you have follow-up questions on that, we can talk about that as well. Um, and just for anybody listening, there's also stuff on uh, the blog at dantutor.com. You just look up timelines in the search box and it'll pull up articles, or we have a lot of stuff over the last year that we've written on uh, the Honey Badger recruiting site, which you can also find on the website. So just as a reference, there's some resources there, or even on past podcasts, we've talked a lot about that. So again, I'm going to stop myself from rambling. What, Where did that sort of sit with you? Or as you evaluate a little bit, what, what was missing or what did you do? And it just still didn't, didn't quite work. Liking what you hear on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast? Then you're going to love our special training and information site, Honey Badger Recruiting. It's where Dan Tudor and his team of experts answer recruiting questions, publish the latest trends and research, and give college coaches the next level training they need to connect with their prospects. Visit dantutor.com and click on the Honey Badger link to become a subscriber. And if you're already signed up, Make sure you're up to date with all the latest information the Tudor Collegiate Strategies team has for you today. Again, just go to dantutor.com and click the Honey Badger link. It's your secret weapon in the nonstop battle to win the best recruits. Hey coach, it's Dan and it's a fact. A lot of college athletic departments are trying to figure out how do we regain our momentum? How do we build the culture we want? And most of all, how do we create dedicated alumni? When they leave the program, they stay involved, they stay dedicated, they say good things about us. Well, I have an answer, legendrings.com. You heard about it maybe on the podcast last year. So many coaches and athletic directors went over to legendrings.com and were blown away by what they could create and design on their own through the website to give their student athletes. This is something that they remember. This is something that every athlete in the country wants to have, which is a memento of all the hard work they put in. Now, maybe that's for a championship season, an MVP award, or just because you want to give your team something to remember the year by. This is the answer that a lot of coaches are turning to, and and it is so incredibly budget-friendly, it's going to amaze you. So go to legendrings.com, and if you do, Mention that you heard it from Dan Tudor and the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. They are going to give you a special gift as a coach. You're going to love it. That's legendrings.com. Go take a look, coach. Heading into the most challenging recruiting year of their careers, what are more and more college coaches and athletic directors using to give them an edge? ARI Recruiting. It does more than all the other recruiting contact management apps and websites do. With no lag time, no lost information, and plenty of next-generation features that has it beating the competition day in and day out. Oh, and did I mention it's probably a lot less than what you're using now? Go to ARIRecruiting.com now, get a demo, and find out why this is the recruiting tool you've been waiting for.
Yeah. So my approach has been, you know, uh, as a D3 school, understanding that there are things out of my control, but I still, I still ask the student um, and I ask them repeatedly, I, I say, you know, what is your timeline? Do you have a timeline? Walk me through your timeline. What is, when do you want to have your decision? Um, I ask them that in the first conversation. And then I ask them that periodically throughout the process to make sure that um, I am pushing them towards that decision. So whether it's be submitting their application or their financial aid or getting a campus visit or an overnight, whatever that process is. Um, so I'm continually following along with the process that they're telling me. So in response to you, Dan, I guess the question is, is, is that even too soft of an approach or is that appropriate for the division three level having some of the, the money things and things like that be outside of my control? Um, well, so in asking the question, you probably have already answered it in a sense, because um, if it were working, it wouldn't be a question. So, sure. so what I would, here's what we see happening is that kids at the start of the process are always optimistic and they're going to say, I want to be done by, I'll just say, you know, November. Right. I want to be, I want to be all done by, by November, my senior year. I don't want the stress. I just want to know where I'm going. Well, then what happens is you get closer up to November and you think as a student athlete, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to decide what college uh, that makes me nervous. Am I really sure I'm looking at all the options? Coach, hey, it's Dan. Um, I knew I said I was going to say, uh, make, make a decision by November. I just can't. There's a couple more visits I want to make. So it's going to be probably late December, early January. And as a you know, good coach, we all say, all right, that's fine. I get it. It's a tough decision. We're here for you. We'll wait. January rolls around, coach, hey, the visit went well. There's still two more schools. So I'm just, I need probably till early March. And it goes on and on and on and on. Those for me as a recruiter would be red flags because if this was, if you were the destination school, I would be apologizing and really nervous that you were going to not, you know, not want to take me. Um, again, it doesn't mean that we can't get them. It just means that we're moving, but they are trending away from you rather than towards you. And we need to do something that, that makes them stop and start trending back towards you. The thing that we have seen work the best is going back to the timeline. And the reason that I think it's so vital is when you have a, a, a drop dead date that at the latest, we need your decision by this. And we want it beforehand, but at the very latest, here's when we're going to be wrapped up with recruiting overall or your position group or kids from your region or whatever it is. Uh, when you say that, it, that, that becomes the, the, the driver. So when they, let's just say you said it's going to be late December, early January, when you need that decision. If it's January 8th and I say, coach, I, I know you said I need to decide by early January. I, I just need another month or two because I'm going to you know, visit these other two schools or, you know, my, I've dropped my times or my marks went up and I want to see if any D, D1 or D2 schools are interested. What I want any coach at any, any level to say is, I wish we could give you more time, but like I told you six or seven or 12 months ago, here's when we're going to be wrapping up. We're still looking at that. So what you're saying, Dan, is that you don't want to run here for us uh, at, at our university. You're, you're sort of thinking it's not the right fit. My response is probably going to be, well, no, I'm not going to say that, coach. It's just that I'm not ready to make the decision. But we, but we have this, this, you know, this timeline. We're wrapping up, 
So if you don't decide, then we have to move away from you. So what you're saying is that you're not ready to take the opportunity. I need them to verbally then say, yeah, coach, I, I guess I just can't. I just, I, 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 you have to take me off the list. If we can get them to say that and they don't have something else planned out solid, then what we know is true is that they were always going to say no to you. They just didn't want to take you off the list because I like collecting names and places of coaches and schools that want me as a student athlete. It's good. It's a, it's good for my psyche. It's good for my ego. And you know, who doesn't enjoy accumulating more people wanting to have you. So I don't want to take you off the list, but you're nowhere near the top and the other schools would have to burn to the ground for me to come there. Right. Well, okay. That's, and, and look, there's, there are kids that want to go to your school, love the program, want to be there. So, we're, you know, you're always going to lose athletes. You're always going to get athletes. The thing I think that is the secret to programs getting built the right way quickly and consistently, and then they hold true for a long time, is when you can get that athlete who is always going to say no to get off the list and say no sooner. Boy, that is the coaches who can do that. That's gold because then I can get somebody else into that slot and recruit them sooner. Whereas if you do that in late April, early May of their senior year, you know that's not usually the kind of quality that you're looking for to, to build a program. So right. that's kind of, again, the benefit of setting a very firm timeline and jumping that big hurdle, which is tough for a lot of coaches, to walk away from an athlete who didn't say no to you, who said, no, I'm interested, Coach Joe, just hang on, just hang on. But if you look back, those kids that did that probably didn't come to the school. I mean, maybe one out of every 40 or 50 ended up, you know, reluctantly coming to that school. But that's not what we want to do to build the program. So, um, and interestingly, when we have kids that that were coaches did that at smaller schools or non-full scholarship schools, that was the thing that drove them, that they needed to make a decision. So that was the school that told me it was time. And so I did that. And again, most coaches have heard other coaches or have lost athletes to other programs. And they and you say, why did you choose them? You were going to come back for a second visit? Well, they said I had to make a decision. Or they said they were going to pull my offer if I didn't do it. So they're responding to deadlines. They're responding to reasons to make a decision. And for Division three coach, that's that's what you have at your, your disposal to do that. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. And one other thing I would add to that is because we talked about like the process for getting packages together at, you know, at a school. And it, again, if you're a division one coach listening to this and you don't offer full scholarships, what the school does from a, from a packaging standpoint can matter just as much as a D three school that costs $70,000 a year. At the end of the day, parents, no matter what level and what sport are trying to figure out, how am I going to pay for this? And what is X? What is that number? And what I would encourage coaches to do, because sometimes your, your financial aid and, and that department that, that gives you the final number, or gives the student athlete the final number, doesn't do it soon enough. They, don't, they, don't, they can't do it before another school might do it. Um, the thing that you have at your disposal is the net price calculator at your school on the website which most coaches are going to hear from their admissions department. No, no, don't use that because it's not accurate. It doesn't go down to the dollar. It's not the final number. We get that. But what it does is it gives them something, and this is important psychologically, it gives the prospect and the parents, most importantly of the prospect, a number that 
is at least quasi from the school, it came off of your website, that says, here's an estimate of what you're going to pay. So let's just say at your school, it comes up, dad enters all his information, mom enters her information, and it comes up that final number is $22,000 a year. That after, instead of 38000 or forty, that the tuition is, they're going to have to pay twenty two. What it allows the coach to do then is say, okay, that's, that's the number you came up with. So my question for you, mom, dad, athlete, is, if it's around, if it ends up being around that number, give or take $2,000, so it could be a little more expensive, could be a little bit less, but if it's around in that range, does that sound like a number that you feel like you could go forward with and, uh, and, and come to school and, and have him or have her compete for us here at, at our school? Because when you do that, there's only a couple of possible answers. There's, yes, that's that we figured it was going to be around that, her older sister, uh, that's about what we paid to have her go to school. So, yep, that's it. So we're we're good. And again, I as the coach might say, and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try to make it less. I'm I'll I'll you know help you figure out what other things you might qualify for. Admissions will do that too. But if it's around that number, yep, we're good. Okay, check. The other side of it is, coach, are you crazy? Twenty two thousand dollars a year, um, single income, um, this that the other. Uh, there's all these factors. I thought it was going to be maybe three or four thousand dollars. I can't believe it's going to be twenty-two. So it can't go any lower for me as a coach at an expensive private school at, or at a Division One school where I can't offer a a full ride scholarship. That might be the thing that ends the conversation because I can sell them on the school, tell our story, justify it. At the end of the day. If they can only bring in or only afford three or four thousand dollars, and I know the least expensive it's going to be is twenty-two, that's a huge gap. I can't do that. Right. Um, if, if it's you know, the other thing I'll say or to go into, let's just say it's two thousand dollars. You're you're two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars more than the other school, and there's the temptation from kids, and they are told through their high school admissions department or college admissions workshops that they attend you know, look for the school that's going to give you the most. And it's all about getting money. And, and I think they sort of get hypnotized into that, that mode of thinking is it's just who's going to give me the most money. Who's going to give me the most money. What you as a coach have to do is say, um, look, we're two or three, we'll say we're 2000 or I'll make it easy. We're $2,400 more than the other school. Um, every, uh, when it, when it comes to, you know, the annual tuition or what you're going to pay there, we're going to be $2,400 more expensive. So that's about, uh, what is that? So 24, so that's about, uh, $200 a month. Mm -hmm. Do my math right? Yeah. So $200 a month. Um, let me explain why it's worth it here at our school to pay the extra $200 a month and go through that list. The other thing is that you've been, if you've been consistent with the communication, you've told the story, that helps justify why it's more expensive. Um, so in one of my other, one of my own daughter's cases, the school that she chose was a little more expensive than the next one. Um, but because of what we saw her enjoy about the school, some of the aspects of the school, the, the, the academic major that she was going to be a part of, for us, we had to, you know, logically, okay, this makes sense to invest a little bit of more for her to go here because of what she's going to get. They may need to hear you say that because every parent is trying to figure out why should I spend that money with you? Why should I spend more? Because it goes against everything that they, that they did. 
So getting back to sort of all these kids saying no to you, one of those, or maybe just a combination of those factors could have been part of the reason. Um, I, I'm, I'm also going to go to the timeline that for the next class, um, you know, setting up that timeline in the way that is going to manage it for uh, where it's going to work for you better, um, I think is going to be key. So I just ask you a couple of follow-up questions. Given that for you at your school, when, this is the question I always ask coaches, when do you want to be done with recruiting? When would, if, if everything was just possible and, but also, you know, realistic based on your sport, uh, when would you want to be all done with recruiting? And maybe that goes by, by event groups or uh, as a track coach with, you know, cross country track and throws and hurdles, like how would you break that down? When in general would you want to ideally be done so that you knew you were beating some of your competition still early, but, mm -hmm. uh, but realistic. In, in a perfect world, I'd love to have everything wrapped up. Um, probably by the end of the indoor season. Um, so kind of late March or okay. late mid-March somewhere, that would be if, if the world was a perfect world. Okay. Uh, like you said, because in that way you kind of know uh, where you're sitting in terms of competition and those okay. sort of things. So, okay. so for that, um, so step one is determining here's what I want it. Step two is I need you to now get just a little more aggressive. So I might start defining my timeline in your case as late February, early March. Give yourself that range. Um, okay. Because you can always back it up a little bit, but I don't want you to back it up a lot, and it's hard to bring it forward. I mean, it's hard to say, hey, I know I told you March, I need your decision now in November. So that sounds like a good aggressive thing. What I would So step three of it is with your juniors, especially as you start the next class, define that for them now to say, look, uh, we're going to give you lots of time. We're not going to be one of those coaches that pressure you. We know we're not going to be wrapping up recruiting completely. We're going to be all done probably not until late February, early March of your senior year. So at the very latest, uh, do you think that you could make your decision by that time? Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, get a verbal agreement because we want to then, you know, uh, remember that. Um, my follow-up question would be then step four is, okay, so that's the latest. When now it goes back to your question, when do you want to have a decision done? When, what are you thinking as far as your timeline? Because I okay. want to hear them talk about that. Maybe they have an idea when they're going to do campus visits based on other sports that they're playing or uh, meets that they're going to go to. What, what is their process? And I want to dig into that to see how it's going to fit into that timeline. Sure. Okay. And, and, and track that. And then it really morphs into, I got to tell the story. I have to be consistent and uh, in, in terms of the messaging and remind them because now you have this, again, the late February, early March thing. Every time you talk to them or consistently, you can say, hey, still no pressure. You still got eight months. Still got four and a half months. You still have two months. Still have a couple of weeks. You know, here we are in early January. You, it's, you know, we're still looking at wrapping up here late February, early March. That becomes a countdown. So mm -hmm. what you do is you sort of insulate yourself against the kid who just doesn't ever get to campus because they think they have more time or coach going to just have more time. Um, you're going to get those conversations probably out of the way sooner. And the kids who are going to take themselves out of the process will usually do that um, sooner. And along the way, you're going to sound more like, a BCS division one coach in some sports that is going to, we have a very specific 
system and plan, and now we're going to execute it. And sure. so that, that I think is important because it's going to give them a, uh, a sense that you're a program that is a destination point and you're not going to wait around. Okay. <clears throat> Great. So, no, thank, thank you. That's, that's been very helpful, especially as I move into this next class of 22. So, yeah. So, so last question, because hopefully as coaches have listened to this on the podcast, they've been asking them, they're sort of doing self-evaluation. Looking back, if you had to identify something, where, where do you think it could have gone wrong? Or what, what do you think maybe should have been done differently or better? Um, because I was giving general advice I, in talking to you. I don't know what you did or didn't do. But if you had to say like the top two or three things that you might do differently next year that might bring about a different result, what would those be? Um, probably a little bit more clarity about conversations of cost with the family. Right. Um, I think I explained the process. I don't think I do probably well enough of asking the difficult question of where is your comfort level with this cost uh, and, and having that honest conversation. Right. Um, and then secondly, I think I, I asked the students about their timeline and I try to live by their timeline as opposed to uh, creating one for them to follow. Yeah. I, and I think if you do those things as even just a starting point, you're going to see a different type of response, probably a different energy level, attention level, um, I have to warn you, you will lose kids sooner because they will, you'll either take them out or they'll take themselves out of the, 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 the cost, um, conversation because mm -hmm. it's not going to be in their budget. And again, so you might coach at a school, you know, your next, your next uh, school might be one with, you know, where they only have to pay $8,000 or 4,000. It's going to be very inexpensive. Um, and so it's not, it's not your fault that your school costs what it does. It's that, you know, this, and your job as a coach is not to, to apologize for it. It's to justify here's why it's worth it and, and make that case and then let them make the buying decision as to whether or not it's, um, it's worth it based on the academics, the location, size and, and everything. But um, anyway, so I'm, when they leave early, I'm just, for any coach that listens, and, and does this, what we always warn them is that they're going to have to have more ready to go into the pipeline. So it might mean accumulating more names, um, but in the end, you're going to get a lot more qualified prospects that'll be ready and likely to say yes. Okay. So the question now for you, coach, uh, a couple of them, actually, first of all, what isn't working right now? You're in the middle of this class. You're you, you swore you were going to do things differently, and maybe you've made some changes, but all of it is not working quite the way you want to. Can you identify, like this coach did, exactly what it's coming down to and what some of the problems are? Because I have to tell you, if a coach, if you aren't assessing your program regularly and being critical about the way you approach it and figuring out what am I not doing well, where am I falling short, if that is not a constant conversation running through your head when you're recruiting – I don't think you're going to be an effective recruiter. Most coaches athletically are always trying to learn new things about the sport and the, you know, the developments, the techniques and everything around making those athletes better athletes in the, in the sports that you coach. You should be doing the same thing from a recruiting side. What are you good at? What aren't you good at? What do you need help with? Those are the things that you have to make sure you're asking yourself and then going out 
and seeking the help that you need, whether that's a book or a podcast or a series of podcasts. There's a lot of different resources out there. It doesn't start and stop with tutor collegiate strategies. There's a lot of stuff out there in the business world, the marketing world, that can help you solve that problem. But always be looking to get better. And do you do that? Uh, And I ask because we've had separate conversations with other coaches that recruiting and getting better at recruiting and developing those skill sets that you just don't want to develop that are hard for you, those are the things that are easiest to push off to the side because it doesn't affect you right now. And you might be listening to this thinking, you know what, there are those one or two things I know I need help with, I know I'm not good at. That could be talking to parents on the phone when you're with a recruit. It could be social media. It could be, I just don't know how to write a, a recruiting message. Those are the things you need help with, but it starts with identifying it and you being honest with yourself, just like this coach was, that something didn't feel right, and so he was trying to figure out how to change it. Good for him, and I want you to do the same thing. Secondly, I would say action is important, so whatever you're thinking about doing, and once you decide and identify, these are the things I need to get better, do something every day, even if it's only for five or ten minutes a day, something towards getting better uh, with with overcoming that problem. could mean reading for 10 minutes. It could be listening to something on a podcast for 10 or 15 minutes. It doesn't have to take a lot of time, but that little investment of time every single day or a lot of investment of time every single day over the course of a week, a month, a year, that's what makes the change. So this is about making sure that you don't wait till the end of a recruiting cycle to make the needed changes in, in your approach, in some uh, shortcoming that you have, because everybody has them, everybody has faults and weaknesses, what are yours? Can you make the uh, assessments in real time and then take action while things are still going on to make that change? That's what today's episode was all about. Hope you enjoyed it. We're going to be bringing you a lot more, a lot more in the queue, ready to go. And so we hope that you are enjoying the show. We hope that you're telling other coaches in your department and certainly on your staff to um, to to subscribe and listen. Make sure you give us the, the, the stars, the comments. We love the feedback on your favorite podcast platform. Please do that. That helps. And uh, again, if you have questions for us, I would love to talk to you. I'd love to answer questions. My direct email is dan at dantutor.com, D-A-N-T-U-D-O-R.com. That's the website as well. A lot of free resources there, uh, but interact, get better, search out ways for you to become great at recruiting because if you become a great recruiter coach and get better at that part of your job you are never going to want for opportunities at the college level you will be sought after and be getting job offers whether it's as a recruiting coordinator a head coach and into administration it starts and stops with recruiting it's the way that good programs are built that's why we're so passionate about helping you do that so thanks for listening i'm dan tudor thanks for being a part of the audience as well and a part of the community. We love it. We hope that this week is a good one for you, and we'll talk to you again soon on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. The College Recruiting Weekly Podcast is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies. For more information on everything we provide college coaches, athletic directors, and the rest of your campus, visit dantutor.com. Thanks for listening, Coach.